following podcast represents the perspectives of the host and our guests. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast are our own and do not represent those of our places of work. Hello and welcome to another episode of Parcels of Info, an NDC podcast, our most efficient way to deliver parcels of valuable information straight to the healthcare supply chain. I'm Liz, and today our guest on the podcast is Brad Thompson. He is the chairman of the Hyda Lab Council and the vice president of supplier management at NDC Inc. Welcome to the podcast, Brad. Thank you, Liz. Thanks for having me. Of course, we're excited to get into the topic of COVID lab supplies today. And um, before we get into this, can you give us a little background on your experience, you know, in the healthcare supply industry? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm in my 29th year in U.S. healthcare. Uh, I've been at NDC uh, 16 years. I initially uh, came to NDC really to expand and further develop their clinical lab portfolio. Uh, my background, I was director of marketing, marketing for a large uh, independent clinical lab distributor for about a dozen years. And so for the first two years at NDC, I worked almost exclusively on developing that clinical lab um, uh, program. And since then, I've joined the supplier management team and I've been in that seat for what, about 14 years now. You mentioned you were the director of marketing for um, the cl- a clinical lab distributor. So you are, I'm sure you have plenty of experience within this realm before COVID, but now, you know, this is quite a different landscape, would you say, with COVID? Yeah, absolutely. And and probably the best way to put it, it was unprecedented. And My favorite word. Yeah. And, and sort of go back to to March and April of 2020 when this all really sort of started. And, and, it, and specifically as it relates to really the COVID testing market, it was sort of the Wild West. It was it was like cowboy, you know, the, the environment was crazy. We had over 100 manufacturers that were launching uh, EUA-approved uh, uh, antibody tests. Most of those tests were highly complex. And so it was just absolutely crazy at that time. Yes. The beginning of the pandemic was, it was <laughs> unlike anything we have experienced, hopefully unlike anything we will experience. Um, but now we're we're well into the pandemic and there's, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel, finally. So where um, where are we now as far as COVID testing goes? And would you say is the volume significantly lower for COVID testing now? Yeah. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, as we started the pandemic in sort of March, April of last year, you know, we got into Q3 and Q4. We launched uh, several uh, antigen-based tests uh, and at that time, you know, the, the volumes were, were significant, to say the least. And what we've sent, since seen as we got into January and February uh, of 2021 is in that market about a 90% decrease compared to December of 2020. So it's been a significant drop, uh, which really we didn't uh, anticipate. We we felt like that Q1 would remain very strong. And then uh, we kind of looked at Q2 uh, with under the assumption that we would see a decrease, or sort of a, a trailing uh, of volume, and then a further trailing into Q3 and Q4. Uh, but but we didn't see that. So we saw a significant decline. Right. And I, I'd imagine a lot of that has to do with uh, the vaccine coming out more and more. We're, we're seeing higher volumes of the COVID vaccine. Yeah, and I, that was one area, I think, that, that impacted uh, our business. Uh, but there were several others. I think the end of the CARES Act funding specifically uh, sort of wound down as we approached the end of 2020. 
there was excessive inventory in the supply chain. A lot of U.S. healthcare distributors, uh, you know, had bought a lot of product as we approached the end of 2020. And so we're all looking to sort of, you know, burn through that particular inventory. You know, there are lower numbers of doc office visits. I think we've all experienced telemedicine type visits. And so, you know, people, again, are not visiting uh, their doctors as much. And then lastly, um, well, actually, uh, you know, vaccinations obviously have had, had an impact. You know, we discussed earlier today that, you know, we're all feeling a little bit, you know, more comfortable in the environment by being vaccinated. And then I think the last thing, and I think it's an interesting kind of a concept, is kind of COVID coma. You know, we've all been home. We've all been under lockdown. You know, everybody's just sort of just, again, we're in a bit of a coma. And we think that that's had an impact as well. Definitely. You know, um, especially from my family, you know, they were, they've always been very concerned about COVID, but I'm seeing them, you know, be a little more lenient in the things they'll do before we, uh, I, I have to have a mask on all the time in the house. And now we're sitting outside eating, you know, so I'm seeing, I think people are relaxing a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So Brad, now that the vaccine is being distributed, are we seeing higher antibody testing volumes? You know, what's interesting, you know, if you look at antibody testing, I kind of look at that as a bit of a novelty, at least prior to, you know, the vaccine becoming available. Meaning this, if 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 somebody came over and they said, hey, I just want to know, did I have it? And, and clinically, it's really a bit irrelevant, right? At least pre-vaccine, because just to say that you had it really clinically really doesn't say a whole lot. What you're looking for is active virus. And so in our marketplace, the antibody test really made up less than 1% of our overall COVID testing volume, especially as you compare that to the antigen test. However, what we're seeing with the vaccine, you know, the vaccine being introduced into the marketplace that that there have been indications that they're looking to use maybe the antibody test to sort of triage patients. You know, obviously if you're positive for the antibody, uh, you probably have had, obviously, uh, COVID in the past, and they're probably less likely, at least anecdotally, to have a recreation. And then lastly, there's a lot of interest because we really don't know is how long, once you've been vaccinated, are the, are the antibodies still present in the system, right? And so there are a lot of indications that you're going to see some testing in one, two, three, four, and five, and six months after a person's been vaccinated just to see what their level of uh, antibodies are. Oh, that's interesting. I, I would, wasn't thinking about that. I, I've been meaning to get the antibody test because I'm convinced I had it at the beginning of the pandemic, but haven't hasn't happened yet. Just a quick comment on that, though. What we don't know, and I've had, you know, because we have uh, availability to an antibody test, I tested some people that had had it, they believe, early, like February, March of last year, and maybe towards the end of the year, and I would test them, and whatever that threshold, it still did not pick up, right? And so, so that, to me, is an interesting component. So, again, when we talked about, you know, sort of follow-up testing to a person being vaccinated, let's say in one month, yep, it's visible, two months, visible, three, four, let's say five, it's not. It doesn't mean that you don't have the antibody present in your body. It's just that it's low enough that the test doesn't pick that up. So Right, right. And um, I've been hearing a lot of talk about potentially this becoming an annual vaccine. Like you just said, the antibodies, you know, fade after several months. Is that, do you think that'll be the case? 
Yeah, I mean, what we don't know uh, uh, is is what that's going to look like. There are some indications that uh, COVID could have some level of seasonality. Uh, and I think probably one of the driving sort of factors in that is we've seen variant strains, you know, across the globe. I think the first one I think we were all made aware of is the one in the UK. And so when you have variant strains, that means that these strains could be you know, more volatile, you know, for lack of a better term. And so, so there are some indications that, that this could be uh, or have some level of seasonality similar to, to influenza. So with the end of the CARES Act funding, what do you think we will see with recent 2021 COVID relief legislation? Yeah, uh, great question. Um, I think all of us know that it was a significant uh, piece of legislation. I think it was $1.9 trillion. Uh, We do know that about $46 billion uh, was earmarked specifically for testing and tracings. And so what we had, and again, the legislation was just signed last week. And and right now we're sort of guardedly optimistic to see what the impact that's going to be on U.S. healthcare testing. Uh, Right now, we have not seen a positive uptick in volumes, but again, we're just rolling into the into the second week. I do know uh, in the market, you know, you're starting to see those stimulus checks out to just to the general population, and that's just happening as we speak right now. And so, we're watching the market carefully. We do think it's going to have a positive impact, uh, but at this point, we're just not quite sure what that's going to look like. Right, it's it's hard to tell. Yep, absolutely. It's hard to predict this whole thing. That's why it's a novel virus. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So I know some people are returning to school, but not everyone's returned to school. So how, you know, how do we return to full, you know, full normal? I guess this is a new normal, but how do we get people back to school, back to work, open up conventions? What are your thoughts? I think, that, you know, me personally, as well as uh, other other folks that are in our business, especially in the clinical lab space, uh, we think testing certainly is 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 what's going to help open up this country. Uh, we're starting to see alternative markets, and what we mean by that is, you know, um, you know, uh, events, uh, schools, entertainment events, sporting events, that sort of thing. And people are looking to sort of reboot their businesses. And so they're looking to test if it's, say, sporting their players, certainly arena staff. And really, allow, that allows really us as the, as, the, as the consuming public to feel confident once we go into a venue like that, that, that it's safe and that we can go back. Um, one of the downsides to, to really alternative market testing is that historically, all these tests have almost always been run in more of a healthcare provider setting. That means your doc office, you know, orders a strep A test, you know, for your kids and 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 they order the test, they run the test, there, there's a there's licensures that are required. Uh, and with many of these tests at a minimum, there are CLIA wave licensings that are required. And while the healthcare professional has always historically known about those details, these alternative markets have never experienced really some of the requirements uh, that that the government has to run these types of tests, so we see that you know is is a bit of a challenge in the marketplace. Um, you know what we're seeing is, in addition, uh, you know when we look at these alternative markets, is historically we're going to be you know we've we've called into that sort of that healthcare professional market, and and we have to refocus ourselves right into these non traditional markets, really to remain relevant and be able to to test the population as we see uh, necessary. We had a recent example. We were approached by a professional sports team 
that, you know, their games were canceled and they were canceled because of, of, of COVID and the lack of COVID testing. And so, you know, what they were looking to do is, is, is to test not only their staff and we talked about earlier, um, but, but also, you know, people attending. And so, you know, to have everybody tested that you could go in to an event uh, and, and be assured that everybody uh, that's attending that event has tested negative for COVID, we think is, is, is significant. That sounds like quite an operation, but that would, you know, really change things. Definitely. That sounds promising. So Brad, we have, you know, testing in these alternate settings, but what about testing at home? How do you see at-home testing impacting physician site demand moving forward? Yeah, Liz, hey, thanks for that question. And I'll tell you, we're starting to see um, a number of our manufacturers that are more in the clinical space that that we've known for many, many, many years, uh, developing and offering in that home you know, testing marketplace. That is different. That's the type of test that you would pick up at a CVS and say, hey, you know, I want to run this test. And, and, and currently those in-home testings really are uh, uh, boxes that just have a, a collection method. So in this case, it's a nasal swab. You take the test, it has a mail back uh, pouch, you mail it back, the test is read, and then, you know, via email, they send you your results. But what we're starting to see now are more specific tests where you physically have the test. They're similar to what's run in a more professional uh, marketplace. But these are designated uh, home tests that are OTC classified, over-the-counter classified. And so we see that uh, certainly is having a positive impact on the marketplace for sure. Can you tell me a little bit about the impact this will have on physician site demands as well? Yeah, I mean, we we believe that, uh, you know, when you open up home testing, it increases access and availability, right? That means that the population has easy access to that particular product. I think one of the, uh, you know, certainly the challenges of that is that the healthcare provider, I mean, this is not just a pregnancy test. You can go to, to, to Walgreens or, you know, a CVS or, you know, and you can pick that up. You know, this is a, a true clinical diagnostic test that has some significant consequences, right? And so, so when I say that, I think while I, I see the home testing marketplace is, is a growth area, I don't really see it cannibalizing a significant amount of, of market you know, from that healthcare provider because really it's going to require the, the healthcare provider to, to initiate appropriate treatment. And, you know, there's just, and, you know, there, there's a lot of factors that I think that, that, that it's going to be more, it's going to reside more closely to the healthcare provider as opposed to a home test. Right. So, you know, those at-home tests will almost, will help physician site demand because it'll push people into the office for, if they're test positive, is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah. And I, and, and, you know, if you test positive on a home test and you go to your doctor and say, Hey, I tested positive, they're going to run a test on you. There's right. no way that they're going to take a home test and say that, you know, I'm just going to take that diagnosis as accurate and I'm going to move forward with the treatment. So, so, you know, in that case, I think you're going to see, uh, you know, demand not be diminished uh, significantly in the healthcare provider marketplace. Right. That, that home test is just that first step for the patient to understand what's going on with them. As far as elective procedures go, um, I know they took a back seat for a while during COVID, but now I think they're back in full swing. And for every elective procedure, you need to take a COVID test. What do you think about that affecting the market? 
Yeah, it absolutely has a positive impact on the market. And as a matter of fact, I have a real world, uh, uh, you know, my father-in-law had knee surgery two weeks ago. And one of the requirements for him was to have a negative COVID test. So they did a point of care COVID test, uh, you know, once he uh, came to the uh, surgery center to have his, his knee replacement surgery. So absolutely. That is so important just to move forward with all the other things that are necessary. You know, sometimes elective surgery, even though it's elective, it is necessary, like knee surgery. So absolutely. Great point. So in your eyes, the future of COVID testing look like, Brad? I It's it's a great question. I, you know, and we certainly have covered a lot of those aspects uh, uh, th- this morning already. Um, you know, it's unpredictable. Uh, you know, one of the challenges that we've had as an organization is really forecasting what does that future look like? You know, if you look at, again, you know, the last uh, two quarters of 2020, you know, demand far exceeded supply. And then as we rolled into Q1, supply uh, exceeded uh, demand. And so so I guess the answer and the simple answer is we just don't know. Um, you know, there, there are so many factors uh, that we believe are going to impact this going forward. We talked about those alternative markets, you know, and really the private sector looking to sort of reboot their businesses and the need for, for potentially doing testing to, to allow that to happen. Um, and so we'll just have to watch it. We'll have to watch it and wait and see. Would you say, you know, there, there are threats involved as we look forward, as well as what, what would you say are the opportunities we have to look forward to? Yeah, I think uh, uh, a couple of the threats, and I think that that we've we've touched on those. And I think home testing and telemedicine. I think sort of outside looking in, most people, you know, in that in, we'll call it that sort of that historical healthcare provider market, the doctor's office, that 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 business that 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 was routine, routinely in that marketplace would shift to home testing, and or telemedicine. But again, as I look at the specific test, and we touched on, you know, the in-home testing, and as it relates to the critical nature of a COVID test as opposed to other tests, um, while I think there is a, a level of threat to that business, I think that that is relatively small. Um, I think another uh, issue that we all forget about is really the lack of antibiotic stewardship as it relates to tele medicine and as it relates to, um, you know, in-home testing. Uh, If, you know, I had a telemedicine uh, call back in uh, May of last year and I had a, you know, um, I had a a sinus infection, at least what I thought was a sinus infection. And, you know, my doctor, he spent five minutes on the phone just like we are right now. And so he he just prescribed an antibiotic. And so, you know, the challenge with that, unless you have that patient right in front of you, it's like if you run a strep A test or you run a flu A, B test, it could be bacterial or it could be viral. And so, you know, if it's a viral infection, the, the antibiotic does nothing. And so that overuse of antibiotics, which we've spent the last 20 years really, uh, really having a positive impact uh, on the overuse of antibiotics, we feel like that, that, that COVID and the impact of COVID uh, this last year it's probably set us back about 15 years. So uh, that's TBD. But but again, I think as we look down, you know, into the future, you know, I just see that as, as potentially uh, having some negative side effects for sure. Wow. I didn't even think about that as far as, you know, setting back the progress we've made in that area. That's really interesting. Well, 
on the on the flip side, what would you say these um, what would you say the opportunities are that this situation presents for us? Yeah, and I and I say COVID seasonality and and I kind of say that I kind of say that's a bit of a double-edged sword. You know, it's like, you know, this could continue on. It's kind of like flu and the seasonality of flu. Uh, you know, people get sick and there are negative implications of people even getting the flu. Uh, but but as an opportunity, really, if you look at distribution and and selling, we'll say specifically, uh, you know, COVID test testing uh, products, um, you know, with these variant strains that we're hearing about, you know, we believe that there could be a component of this that would would have some level of seasonality similar to, to what we've seen uh, with the flu. And then lastly, uh, along those same lines, uh, we've had some indications in the Southern Hemisphere, specifically in Australia, that they had a later flu season. You know, if you go back and you look at the U.S., we had virtually no flu. We had no strep A. We had no RSV. And so those infectious um, uh, diseases, respiratory diseases that we've experienced you know, really in my entire career, we just didn't have it this past year. So, so we'll see. I mean, again, uh, you know, in the Southern Hemisphere, we've seen that uh, increase in flu activity. We've had zero so far here now, but who's to say we could have a, you know, sort of a mid-spring reoccurrence of flu and we're just watching it to see how that goes. Right. It's incredible the different, you know, impacts COVID has had even on influenza. Quite a time to be living in, Brad. Before we wrap up, I would love to hear a little advice you have for our listeners. What would you say the outlook for the rest of the year looks like to you? Well, I think uh, in what we've seen even in our own community is especially with with the vaccine becoming more and more prevalent. Obviously, we focused on the high risk uh, part of the population, the long, you know, the long term care facilities and certainly those people that were at highest risk. But I think as as more and more of us have access to to the vaccine, uh, you know, there's just a sense of people, you know, you know, they they just there's an optimism out there, and I think that that you're starting to sense that. I'm seeing it in our community, uh, you know, as we speak. I mean, I'm starting to see that now. Um, and so, if as we roll into sort of Q2 of of 2021 and approach the end of Q2 uh, 21 and 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 early Q3. I think we're going to see some significant changes. You know, by then, I think uh, we're going to have a significant portion of the U.S. population that have had access to the vaccine. And I think that changes everything, um, you know, as it relates to, to opening up this, this country and its economy. But on the flip side, it's a bit unpredictable, right? If I, if I go back and I look at 2020, uh, and if, you had, if I'd have been talking to you in February or January, and you'd asked me to write the script for 2020, you know, for what we experienced in the last year, I would have said you were out of your mind. There's just no way this would ever happen. And so, so I've been wrong and I've been, right. wrong, on, I've been wrong on so many fronts uh, as it relates to that. You know, I go back to last year, we were talking about having, you know, industry uh, meetings and events and they started saying, well, they've canceled us. What they canceled. And then, well, we kept, you know, moving our meetings out a month at a time, two months at a time, four months at a time. And, and, you know, here we are this year. So so I think the unpredictable nature of and we started out in our discussion of unprecedented times uh, and it is truly unprecedented times uh, and it's unpredictable nature, I think, is is, is I think uh, the best word for it. Uh, you know, other than that, it's 
I wish I could uh, look into that crystal ball, but I've been wrong on just about every aspect of it over the last year or so. Thank you so much, Brad, for coming on the podcast today. Really appreciate your insight and expertise on the topic of COVID lab supplies. I've learned a lot and I know our listeners will be able to get a lot from this episode. So thank you so much. Yeah, Liz, you know, really thank you so much for really having me. And and certainly I appreciate, you know, the listeners, uh, um, you know, taking the time to, to listen to this podcast, but I appreciate it. Thank you. Of course. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of Parcels of Info and NDC podcast, our most efficient way to deliver parcels of valuable information straight to the healthcare supply chain. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite platforms to get updates on our newest episodes. Leave us a review and we'll catch you next time. Bye.